Okay, I think I got it. Got what? Oh, I've been trying to guess what Daryl did before the turn. I was trying to guess for like six weeks. Yeah, I'm pacing myself. One shot a day. All right, shoot. Well, the way you are at the prison. Yeah, you're being on the council. You're able to track. You're helping people. But you're still being kind of, uh, surly. Big swinger. Homicide cop. <laughs> so funny. Nothing. It makes perfect sense. Actually, the man's right. Undercover. Come on, really? Yep. I mean, I don't like to talk about it because it's a lot of heavy shit, you know? Dude, come on, really? <clears throat> okay. I'll just keep guessing, I guess. Yeah, you keep doing that. Mm-hmm. You gonna do this, detective? Do it. Welcome to Sound on Sight's Walking Dead podcast. This is TV editor Kate Kalzik. I'm joined, as ever, by Ricky D., our our overlord at Sound on Sight, our general editor. Ricky, welcome back. Hello, Kate. Hello, listeners. And as ever, we're going to be bringing different guests different guests every week to help us break down the episode. And this week, we're kicking it off with uh, my co-host and yours, Ricky, Simon Howell. Yeah, that's my walker sound. That's your walker sound? <laughs> we always like to say up at the top that we will have no spoilers for future things to come on The Walking Dead. Ricky has read some of the, the graphic novels or comics. I have not read any. Uh, Simon, how about you? Nope. And uh, we, we'll just, we're going to go week by week talking about each of the episodes in season four and hopefully have a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Are you, though? I think so, Ricky. Um, yeah, I'm actually really glad this show is back. Um, I, You know, just because I love doing the podcast, last season was amazing. We had the best special guests come in each and every single week, a different host. So I'm excited to see who we can get on the podcast this year. Hopefully some bigger names, some new names, and possibly some reoccurring guests from season three. Good time. Bigger names than me? Are there bigger names than you, Simon? I'm not sure there are. Know. I'm not sure there are. Well, this first episode is 30 Days Without an Accident, written by Scott M. Gimple, our new showrunner, directed by Gregory Greg Nicotero. And uh, it, it in the last few seasons, we've had a different showrunner almost every year, or at least the showrunner uh, has been in flux, I think is safe to say, over a surprising portion of, of this show's run. And when we look at a new showrunner, for those less familiar with the workings of television, that's a very important job. They they oversee pretty much every element to to a TV show, usually. At least that's usually what the position calls for, much like a director does for a film. And so when you look at the different first episodes or first 
big stamps by the different showrunners, uh, their mark on the series, it can tell us a lot about what may be coming for the show. So what, I guess, uh, Simon, let's start with you as the guest. What do you think uh, we can look forward to in this season of The Walking Dead based on 30 Days Without an Accident? I mean, you can look forward to more The Walking Dead, I suppose. The... I I don't know how much you can really tell from this premiere. I mean, you can tell that he, uh, Gimple, I think we knew from the episodes that he's written in the past, particularly uh, Clear, which I think we can all agree is probably the best episode they ever did. Um, He really likes to hone in on character more than anything else, which I think is good for the show. Uh, Is it the kind of shot in the arm, total... Uh, total reinvention, I think the show could probably use. Uh, no. Uh, so it, let, let me put it this way. I mean, for, for a few seasons, I was a regular on this podcast and now I'm, now I'm a guest. I, I, I got down, I downgraded myself. So clearly my interest level in the show is not what it once was. Uh, I do think it's a good premiere and uh, I think there's some interesting bits of casting and writing here and there, but, uh, but I, but I won't say it bowled me over, and I, and I won't say that I, – I think that in the case of it – The Walking Dead is a weird case because a changing showrunner is potentially important and interesting, but it could also just be ceremonial because we don't really know how much of what's being done here is really the showrunner's call as opposed to, say, you know, Robert Kirkman. Interesting. Ricky, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm still a huge fan of the series. I think – when it hits the high points, the high points are so high that it keeps me invested in coming back each and every single week. Season three was a mixed bag. It was all over the place, but I think overall it was still a solid season. I like the finisher, the season finale. Um, I don't think this is a great premiere. I think it's a good premiere, which is, I think, Simon, you also use the word good, and good is better than bad. Um, it's basically about table setting it's about establishing what has happened since the woodbury raid introducing us to a few characters and that's pretty much it um there is one incredible set piece which we can talk about later on but i mean scott m gimple has done such a fantastic job in directing episodes i mean simon you mentioned the episode clear which i think is the second best if not best episode apart from the actual pilot right but he also directed This Sorrow Life, which was a fantastic episode. I think those were the two best episodes episodes of season three. He wrote, not directed. Okay, well, still. I mean, still. He either wrote or directed the two best episodes of season three. He's done he wrote them. Good, he's done some good... Oh, he just wrote them. He didn't direct them. Yeah, no, I don't think he directs. Okay, well, whatever. He did do a good job in writing those episodes. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to go into the season with hope. With hope that it's going to be better... And um, I think the reason why I think there's hope for season four is because they introduced a new threat. The idea of introducing a disease intrigues me. I think it's going to be far more interesting than the over-the-top cartoonish villain of the governor. I think it's far more interesting than the walkers. You know, I just think the idea of bringing a disease into the community is going to create some interesting character dynamics and make for a better overall season. This may be a Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast first. I'm the most positive 
on this episode. I'm looking forward to this season after this episode because I think there's some really important choices happening here in this premiere prioritizations, I guess. And uh, I yeah, I think I'm the one who liked this episode the most and is most excited maybe about what's coming you know, up in the next few episodes. Just some of the obviously the, I think there's some good writing and some interesting developments. But just the fact that our first shot of a person is Rick smiling, I think is important. It's been such a dour series. It's been something we've we've complained about on the podcast in the past, where yes, obviously this is a very grim world they've established, but if if there isn't some sign of life, then what are we watching other than people slowly eking out until they're going to die. It's just such a fatalistic approach. After a while, as a TV show, that kind of, at least for me, that grinds me down, makes me not want to watch. And so when we have a clear choice to have Rick smile, we see uh, Michonne Michonne smile. We have that discussion uh, with Maggie and Glenn about living versus surviving. I think that, again, that prioritization of this has to be about more than just watching very pretty people uh, try to, you know, cut, cut things, you know, cut zombies heads off. You know, I, I think that 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 exploration of what is life besides survival, I think, is interesting. And when you contrast that with with Clara, this uh, Carrie, the Carrie Condon character here, I think is very interesting and it, and it works well. I, I'm a big fan of Carrie Condon. We uh, Simon and I talked about her a bit when she was on um, Luck the HBO series. And also I'm a big fan of hers from Rome. So having her come in as this just completely destroyed character and have those scenes off with Rick, I thought was very similar to what we saw in some in clear in some of Gimple's previous episodes, but to see that brought back in here, I think is really, is really interesting and shows that he's going to continue doing those really pared down small, small group scenes, two or three people in a scene really examining what life is like for these people now. But then you tie that in with some of this other casting, not just Carrie Condon, but some of the other people that they're bringing in. I'm glad we don't we no longer have one black character who talks at a time. It's you know it's been an issue on the show in the past, at least for me. And so I, there's a lot of things that I'm seeing in this premiere that I that excite me about what this show could be moving forward. Yeah, well, I'm in agreement with you, Kate. I think you just like this episode better than I. Um, I just think it's a good premiere. I don't think it's great, but I agree with with everything you're saying. Um, one thing that I really love about season four is the fact that it's expanded the cast, but this new bunch of characters seem a hell of a lot more interesting than some of the characters we've had in the past, specifically most of the characters that have died. I do agree that, that I like the way Scott M. Gimple decides to split the groups into three manageable sections, but I still think that there's a lot of problems with this episode. Let's start off with the B story, which follows Rick through the woods. Okay, so it's a fairly decent setup, but honestly, the end result is easily telegraphed. You know exactly how it's going to end. And I found that somewhat disappointing. And the, like the thing, the thing is, I'm not, like my problem with the show, my main problem with the show is the character of Rick Grimes because he's the main character. He's the protagonist. He used to be the leader of the group. And this season, he's not the leader of the group, which I think is a plus. But here... It seems like they still are hinting at the fact that he's wrestling with with his inner demons. And I don't know, like, I'm kind of worried about what they're going to do with Rick Grimes this season, because I'm glad he's not the leader. Uh, You know, in in this episode, he clearly states that he doesn't even want to carry a firearm. But I still think his character is problematic. I mean, 
honestly, they can kill Rick Grimes and it wouldn't hurt the show one bit. At this point, Carol is more important and far more interesting character than Rick Grimes. So although I welcome his character change, I just don't know if I had faith in any writer to make him redeemable at this point. I mean, uh, I think they do everything they can in terms of, I think, putting him in that new position where he's very much not disengaged, but clearly kind of minimally engaged, although still productive, and just sort of palling around with Herschel and not really dealing with the group much at all. I mean, there's a reference to a council, but that's, you know, that where they, they talk about him, but he doesn't really engage with them at all. I think that's all smart. Um, I, and I think that, I mean, I'm not sure how much they're going to do the whole wrestling with demons thing. They, uh, it's very much played down compared to the talks to dead people phase, which, oh. But Simon, let me ask you a question. Like his little storyline in this episode, did it interest you? Like, I, I just found it like the, the least interesting aspect of the episode. No, I, I agree. I mean, it was nice to see Carrie Condon. And actually, there was an interesting approach to guest stars this episode in general, like both Carrie Condon and Kyle Gallner, who we know from like Veronica Mars and about a million other things, uh, both gone uh, immediately, which I thought was a fun choice. But uh, yeah, I agree. It wasn't the most engaging part of the episode. Interesting. I did really like it. So that's maybe that's part of why I like this episode more. Really, you like the fact that he meets some mysterious woman who nobody else happens to come across, who just happens to survive even though she has no survival skills, who happens to have a pet who's her ex-husband, who you know is going to clearly try to attempt to kill Rick and is clearly going to fail. I just thought it was a lot of wasting time. I think what they were trying to do with that specific scene is they are trying to hammer in the central theme of season four, which I believe is redemption. It's too early to tell, but it seems it seems like it's all about uh, it's all going to revolve around her little speech and, and her conversation w with Rick Grimes. But I just, it just didn't do it for me, guys. And I mean, you want to talk about problems that we've complained about in the past. Uh, one of the biggest problems we've complained about in the past is when they introduce a character who you are supposed to care about and that character is introduced only so he or she can die. And they do it once again right away in the premiere of The Walking Dead Season 4 in which we're introduced to Beth's boyfriend. OK, who I guess we're supposed to care about. And right away, he's killed off. And I get it. Like, I understand why they introduce the character and why they kill him off, because they want to show how how she's changed as a character and she's grown strong and somewhat cold. And she doesn't want to say goodbye. And she doesn't cry after she learns that he 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 didn't make it back alive. But does anybody really care about her character at this point? <laughs> I mean, she's yes. been around for She's been around for three seasons. I think, Kate, you're the only person in the world that actually cares about her character. I, I care about Beth. I think she's an interesting character. And I think we've seen, uh, obviously, they have spent almost no time with her in during her run on the show. But I think we've seen an interesting progression from her. And I think when you put her in a family uni unit with Herschel and Maggie, that tells you a lot about her as well. And I think there's potential there. I think you need to have some of these quieter characters as well. Otherwise it just, everything gets too noisy. And as for, as for Zach uh, dying or being killed this, this time, I was, every time somebody gets bit like that, I'm always uh, annoyed when they don't immediately just shoot them because they would want, you know, so, so there's a little bit of frustration with me from that. But otherwise, I mean, this episode is called 30 days without an accident. They they clearly wanted to start the season off with it's been a very 
positive or at least a peaceful few, you know, span of time, you know, weeks, days for them, and then something goes wrong. So somebody was going to die. Which is fine, but I mean, if you're going to write in a scene in which a character dies, just just, be, just because the title of the episode is whatever it is, and or if that's a way to build a character, that's not a good way to build a character. Like, they can't, they, they can't keep on building characters by simply killing people and having those people either sad and or not sad about so-and-so who died. And like that's the like that's the point. Like like you, I'm not I'm I, I I feel like I'm coming off harsh on this episode, but my worries are that I still see the problems from the past, present in this episode. Like I think it's a good episode, and I, I do agree there is potential, but they did introduce a character who they killed off to help build a character who they've wasted three seasons on. Because I don't know much about Beth. Like, I don't really care about her character. And I'm willing to give them a chance and build her character, but building her character doesn't mean killing off another character. I, I don't see Zach dying as only happening to give us that moment with Beth. I don't think that's why that happens. I think it, it's just they, they want to skip forward past the everything's hunky-dory chunk of time. And so they have to end the everything's hunky-dory chunk of time in some way, and they're ending it with... Uh, with, with, with Zach, with something going wrong on a raid, and somebody has is going to go going to die if something goes wrong on a raid, and um, and I don't I don't like I didn't like him because of her, I enjoyed him because of that scene with Daryl. Yeah, okay, good point. Except the fact that the episode ends with someone dying. Yeah, right? but they don't know that yet. Well, they don't know that, but it doesn't matter. Like for us, the viewers, we know it, and so we like like they could have not have had Zach die. Still call the episode. Uh, 30 days without an accident and still have the guy die at the end, Patrick, because therefore there is your accident. That accident is introducing a new threat, something that's going to take a big major part in the season. That's going to shift the, the whole entire series in an, in an entirely different direction. Something that's actually interesting as opposed to introducing us to a character who we don't care about, who we don't know who dies 10 minutes later. I do agree. I don't think they needed to kill Zach, but I guess it just didn't bother me as, as, as much as it seems to have have bothered you, Ricky, and perhaps Simon as well. Um, but you wanted to talk about the disease. I you mentioned earlier, Ricky, that that you like that there's a new threat, and I I agree with that. I'm a little leery that all of a sudden they're bringing in animals to this in a way that they have very clearly avoided in the past. Obviously, they're all sick with some. They're all infected and sick, and that zombie walker disease does not seem to have affected any animals. So it's interesting that they're now choosing to tie animals in to this new disease. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you looking forward to that? Are you nervous about it? What do you think? Well, I'm assuming that, I mean, I could be wrong, and I don't know how closely I'll be watching, but I just kind of assumed that it was more about, you know, animals who had who happened to have imbibed zombie flesh as opposed to a new strain of virus. I'd actually prefer, I would prefer it if it was something tying in from the first thing. Cause if it's just a new virus floating around that just turns people into zombies, I just feel like that's going to be, it's going to be too easy to just kill off a ton of people. Oh, I don't think it turns them into zombies. I think it just kills them. And the fact that they're already infected with the zombie thing is what turns them into zombies. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair it, enough. But well, still. that's the thing. Technically it's the same thing. I mean, they're still going to come back as the walkers because yeah. once, once you die, no matter how you die, you come back as a zombie. But I'm, I'm hoping it's actually just a, uh, a, a bit of, 
uh, how should I put it, um, sur- like survivalist mismanagement as opposed to like another okay. thing for them to be worried about. Was I yeah. the only one glad we didn't get a zombie pig? I was half expecting zombie pig, and I was n- very excited that that didn't happen. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, you couldn't have been the only one who thought of Upstream Color during that scene. Okay. First um, of all, I thought of the movie Upstream Color, which I think is my favorite movie and Simon's favorite movie of the year so far. So if you haven't seen it, watch Upstream Color. But between Patrick and Violet, man, I totally cared about Violet. Like I was so sad when the pig died. I actually almost cried. Patrick, I didn't care about. <laughs> I didn't. Guys, sorry. Uh, who, you, do you mean do you mean uh, Zach? <laughs> yes, he means Zach. No, um, wait, no, no. Patrick is the kid who dies at the end of the episode. Oh, gotcha, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, guys, we've gotten this far, and we haven't discussed the fact that Daryl is the leader, and yet no one has made him get a haircut. Oh my god, that haircut is terrible. I hate it so much. I know I shouldn't care, and that's very vain and everything of me, very aesthetically minded, but I, I hate that haircut so much. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just going to blame Carol. I'm sure, like, Carol likes his haircut. It's prob- she's probably, she, I mean, seriously, he's probably growing her hair because she likes dudes with long hair. Oh, that's, no, that's all Daryl. He's had the same <laughs> hair for seasons now. Uh, but, but talking about Daryl, I do really enjoy that he has fanboys. <laughs> In this episode, I just, I don't know if that's an intentional shout out to the fan base or not, but I thought it was hilarious. I thought it also sort of made sense and built a sense of community with the Uh group, but, uh, but no, that really entertained me that moment uh, at the, uh, where was that with Carol? Patrick and Carol was, was pretty fun. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that the kid goes and, and, you know, he pretty much confesses that he's, I mean, he doesn't confess that he's in love with Daryl, but the guy clearly looks up to Daryl. He's like a big fanboy. And Daryl is eating what I'm assuming is pig, like pork. Mm. And he, like, licks his fingers, shakes the kid's hand, and then all of a sudden the kid's dead because he gets <laughs> sick with a virus. So is 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 Daryl to blame for infecting the kid? Oh, my God. <laughs> Daryl's patient zero. I know. It's patient zero. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, you know what? Um, I really, really, really love Melissa McBride more and more with, with each and every single episode. She's given more to do with each and every single episode, and she's no longer the helpless victim of her abusive husband. She's no longer the grieving mom of a missing child. And I love her secret weapons class and how it demonstrates that she is taking action. She is making decisions. She's not following around Rick or whoever. Um, I love her character more and more each and every single week. And I love the fact that she has Daryl Nixon by her side because he is by far the fan favorite. So I'm going to just go ahead and make a season guess. Carol cannot die this season at all, period. She is going to survive up until season five. Well, and it helps that she's finally in the opening credits. (laughs) Yes, I know, right? How long did that take? Jesus. I just I, I'm enjoying all the Carol love because I was a at least a full season ahead of you guys on that one. So I'm I'm glad other people are enjoying the character as well. And yeah, that that story time. Did could it, did anybody know what book she was reading? By by the way, did anybody catch that? I, oh, I you know what? Know. I I was writing my review and I wanted to know. I should actually check Wiki, but I wanted to know what book she was reading and what the name of the song that Rick was listening to at the beginning of the episode was. I didn't recognize either. Yeah, because I wanted to play that uh, the song at the end of our podcast, but hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe by the time we end our podcast, I'll figure it out. But yeah, 
Yeah, I like that choice as well, and I'm hoping we get a little bit more. It, it, it did feel make the show feel a little more lived in. It makes sense that they would be listening to music. Why wouldn't they listen to music? It's not like they're going to be using double A batteries for anything else. So, uh, yeah. so, so you know, if we get a little bit, you know, that, that's one of those touches that I'm hoping we'll see more of moving forward in this season. Uh, apparently, apparently, it was "Precious Memories" by the Stanley Brothers. Okay. Well, should we talk about uh, any of other new characters? I like the development we get with Chad Coleman's character. I'm way more interested, like you said earlier, uh, Ricky. I'm I'm not very interested in in Rick's new pacifism, but I or, or desire to not fight. But I, I am way more interested in Chad Coleman's character's uh, decision to 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 not have to be fighting walkers all the time, even you know outside of the confines of the prison. And then also I like this the the introduction of the doc. I thought the way they handled his uh, I'm I'm assuming he's an alcoholic. I, I thought the way they handled that moment with him was actually really interesting and uh, really subtly, nicely done visually instead of with words. I was gonna say that's uh, Larry Gilliard Jr. who we know from The Wire. The Wire. Yeah. So so are they just gonna bring in the whole entire cast from The Wire onto The Walking Dead? I'll take it. Yeah, okay. I, they're not allowed to bring Idris Elba in because he they would just be too much. He, <laughs> everyone, everyone, he would, everyone else would have to die to make room for Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like the way they introduce his character, and um, you know, because the thing is, he's not given much screen time because there's so many characters right now. We have got three different sort of like storylines taking place within this one episode, but yeah, we do get to learn a little something about the man, and we know that he's also battling with his inner demons and alcoholism and i don't know i mean i thought he was gonna die because he's the black guy and for once it wasn't the black guy that died it was the white guy so i'm like applause (laughs) progress um by the way uh i i mean i don't know if 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 it's going to be how they continue to treat their new guest cast but uh kate there's someone in the in the forthcoming recurring cast that will excite you and i oh w- i know yeah and i'm already looking forward to it because i can't yeah. be more traumatized than i was with chaos earlier this year so okay <laughs> it's gonna be fun if yeah. you don't know what we're talking about watch southland yeah pretty much um so that should be good uh but yeah i, I wasn't all that like crazy about the announcement of larry gilliard jr because he was probably the least interesting person in the or at least had one of the least interesting char- characters in like the entirety of the wire but i thought he was good here Mm-hmm. I also like this new. Uh, I, I like the the new role for for Sasha. I like that uh, she stepped up and is now one of the leaders. Because last season there seemed to be this this notion of the only pool we can choose our prominent characters from is the original cast and Maggie and Herschel. And so I like that they are embracing some of these characters who only joined the show recently, but there's no reason for them to not have become very useful members of the group. So I'm hoping that that they're not just setting Sasha up to die in a couple weeks. Is it not just me or do Sasha and Tyrese have like sexual chemistry? I'm not seeing it, but maybe it's, you know, maybe if it was on HBO, I would feel differently. Okay. Just checking. (laughs) I'm crazy. Hmm. Well, should we talk about that set piece? It's raining zombies. It's raining zombies, and it's followed by a helicopter crashing down on the cast. I thought it was awesome. I mean, each and every single episode, they try to find the craziest, most gruesome way to kill off the cast and or to put them in a dangerous situation. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, 
I'm assuming it's possible that the roof can cave down because the walkers have been walking around repeatedly on the roof for God knows how well, long. Not to mention it had a helicopter crash into it. Exactly. So to me, it totally makes sense and it's realistic. But I think it's a clever setup. Uh, again, not just having the walkers fall through the roof one at a time, but then having a whole entire helicopter crashing in. And I love the way the whole entire scene was lit because they are in the dark. They have their flashlights, and then one walker falls through the roof, and then the sun comes shining in, and then another walker falls through the roof, and the sun comes shining in, and then all of a sudden the whole place is lit up. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Loved it. It, it seemed a little um, constructed to me, the way the way that pe- the walkers were falling through the roof. I felt like it should have been they all come towards the center, which is the weak point. We see some water damage there anyways, as well as the helicopter, and then they all fall through the middle. That seems to you know, that would have made the most structural sense to me, but it's kind of hard to argue with the visual. And when we're talking about the visuals, another one I wanted to mention before I forget is I love how every time that we watch the show, they find a new way to do a terrifying walker. And for me this time, it was the, the walker with no eyes at yeah. the fence. Um, were there any particular visuals either in that main action set piece or elsewhere in the episode that really stood out to you? Also, the makeup on Carrie Condon she looked like she was half moss and that was impressive to me as well. What stood out to you guys? Well, I assume that the walker with no eyes was uh, connected to, um, what's the name of the kid who died at the end again? Patrick. Patrick. Yes. Um, he also had bloody eyes. So we're, I guess we're meant to take it that the, whatever this disease is, has been floating around for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the makeup and effects is great throughout the whole entire episode. I mean, it was directed by uh, the special effects artist Greg Nicotero, who is behind every single one of the episodes of The Walking Dead, and he's a genius. But one scene that I really, really liked was the name tag scene. We get a shot of a zombie with a name tag that says Nick, and the kids are actually naming the zombies like their pets. And I love the way that Carl gets really angry about it, and he starts pretty much reciting... Rick's speech that Rick gave to him earlier on about how he shouldn't name the pigs and they are not pets and he's doing the exact same thing to the kids. I loved that moment with the kids. Well, and I also liked the the tag to it where Carl just assumes the reason they're doing this is because they haven't actually had to deal with watching somebody become a walker, watching people get eaten, like all the trauma that he's had. And they're like, no, we've we've seen that too. We are just yeah. approaching our trauma in a different way than you are. Yeah, Carl's a little prick man he thinks he's all badass and cool and he's the only kid who's seen someone die and he's the only kid that can has survival skills and i think those girls are going to school him by the end of the season he hasn't had to play well with others he's been the only kid and now he has a social circle and a peer group and it's a whole different world for him uh, on the other hand naming them is dumb naming them is definitely dumb i'm on carl's side on that <laughs> okay mm-hmm. i'm glad i'm glad we can agree on that but i still thought it was interesting the easier way to go with that would just have the that group of girls just be foolish and wrong and they they they're doing this because they don't understand the you know while i absolutely am on the don't name the pigs don't name the walkers side of the of the disagreement i like that it's not as simple as if you really knew what this trauma was like you couldn't be so you know happy or whatever uh, yeah it's a different approach I, I, I mean, besides the episode, I feel like we should address the fact that in between seasons, they announced a spinoff. You know what, though? I'm actually excited for the spinoff, and I'll tell you why. Because any one of our longtime listeners of our Walking Dead podcast knows that the main reason why we 
at times complain or are somewhat negative towards episodes, it's always based on the writing. How many times have we complained about special effects, guys? Never. How many times have we complained about cinematography? Maybe once. How many times have we complained about score? Never. You know what I mean? It all boils down to the script, right? And the problem with the script is that it's basically being adapted from the comic book, right? And I like the idea of doing a spinoff series in which they create fresh new stories and possibly better stories uh, with the same kind of effects and cinematography and score and production values as The Walking Dead. I think it could actually be a much better show because here they seem like they're um, confined to what is in the graphic novel. And to be fair, they are moving away from the graphic novel to some degree, but still like a lot of the problems I think come from the fact that they're adapting it from a comic book because I don't know. I, I, I'm excited for it. I guess you're not Simon. Um, I mean, I don't know the, what if Vince Gilligan was a showrunner of the walking dead spinoff show? That would never happen. I don't, <laughs> I don't no. I, you're, you're not going to see too many returning showrunners at AMC. I don't think. Um, but if they can do it where if, I think they need to do it in a geographically distinct place, uh, and, and, you know, in a culturally distinct place from where the walking dead happens, I think they need to do it with, um, with a totally new blueprint, preferably not with Kirkman's involvement. Uh, if they can do that with a good cast and good writing, then great. But you know, that's a lot of ifs. I think I think you're right, though. We actually talked about this last week, you and I, and I think the setting is very important. I think it has to be completely different than the setting they have right now. Maybe a cold winter setting, maybe, I don't know, New Orleans, maybe somewhere in Europe, uh, maybe in Canada. Hey, why not? And also, I would love to see a series in which the main character is a woman and not a man. Again, for me, it all comes... Uh, we talk about this on, on the Televerse all the time. It comes down to the writing. And there are plenty of stories to tell in this universe, in the post-apocalyptic zombie kind of world. There's plenty of stories there. So it just comes down to who is behind the scenes and and who they decide to work with. I, I would be very surprised. I mean, tell me if, if you guys know, are they saying that, you know, Nicotero is going to be behind the special effects on the, the visual effects, I should say? Um, no, behind the makeup and effects on the spinoff. Are they saying that Bear McCreary is going to be doing the scoring? Because I would assume that The Walking Dead is a pretty full-time job for these guys, that they won't have time to also be managing the, the other behind-the-scene elements that we really like on this show on the spinoff as well. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you got to remember that a lot of the same crew, like the directors and the writers, also they also worked on Breaking Bad, which is now done and over with. It's that series ended, and I mean, there's always a chance that AMC is going to take the same directors, same writers, and same you know crew and shift them over to the next series. I mean, that's what they already do with Hell on Wheels, Walking Dead, and Breaking Bad. Uh, so, you really? never know. I don't think they do. The what? writing what? staff, at least. No, Michelle McLaren, she... This seems like a bold statement to not be sure on. No, there is plenty of directors who have directed episodes of Breaking Bad and directed episodes of Walking Dead. There's there's plenty of writers who have worked on both shows or more than one show of AMC. I mean, we can research this, but either way, look, it doesn't matter. Like, the bottom line is we can sit here and speculate and go, what if, what if? It all boils down to script, and that's what I said at the very start of this uh, conversation. It depends on the script, but... I mean, the fact that they can start fresh and not be restricted to what is already in the pages of a comic book, I think, is, shows a lot more promise than 
you know, even this show. Like, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm hopeful. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of potential there. There's certainly stories to tell. It's a matter of how they do it. Do we have any other thoughts on this premiere or on the season to come? Or shall we go to our final thoughts? Daryl should get bitten in his hair and have to cut it off tearfully. That's my only thought. I think uh, Maggie delivered the best line, Kate. You mentioned it earlier on in the podcast when Glenn said fear is what's kept us alive. And she said, no, it's what kept us breathing, I think. Something I think like that's, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like th that whole like little line delivery was fantastic. Um, I also feel really sorry for Bob because he's tempted to take the bottle. He thinks about it. He grabs the bottle, but then he puts the bottle back and he still gets screwed over. <laughs> At least he didn't get bitten, though, you know. That, that is true. Maybe if he actually took a sip, he, he would have been bitten. Yeah. Was that the only one thinking all those bottles crashed down? How did he not accidentally drink some? <laughs> was, I yeah, the like... only one, was, was I the only one thinking... If you were an alcoholic in the post-zombie <laughs> world, would anyone care? I know, right? No, but also, but also, like, the fact that the bottle shattered and the liquor was surrounding him on the floor and he was, like, stuck and the zombie was crawling towards him. I was like, if I was an alcoholic, I would probably be licking the liquor from the ground because I would assume that I would die in about a second or two. So why not have one last drink? But, um, but I do like the way he just grabbed the zombie's head. It was like the simplest way to stay alive. <laughs> Just grab the forehead and the zombie yeah. can't bite you. Ah, creepy. Ah. Well, the, when when I'm having the creepy reaction, uh, for those who are new listeners, I am the least horror-y person on this show. I have very little experience with horror. And so when something is uh, freaking me out, then you know that they're doing their job well, at least for the less, uh, less zombie-proficient viewers amongst the audience. And I think in general, yes, it's not the strongest premiere they've done, but, in but this episode did do its job as far as I'm concerned, and, and it has me excited for the season. So, so well done to all involved, and we'll see what they have to offer us next. Now, now, Rick, your review of this episode, your written review will be up at Sound On Sight? Yes, soundonsight.org. I review the episode every Sunday uh, on written form, and then again on the podcast with you and a guest. And uh, I'm also reviewing American Horror Story. I basically do just about everything that's horror-related on the um on the website, I'm actually releasing a list of my 100, if not 200 favorite movies, 200 favorite horror films, sorry, uh, of all time. Yes, and it's Horror Month at Sound Insight, so if you want to check out more reviews or articles about various areas of horror, you can check out the website. Simon, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sucker Howell and co-hosting Sound Insight and Sorted Cinema with Ricky and the Televerse with you. All that is on iTunes and at soundonsight.org. And Ricky, on Twitter? Sound on site. You can follow me. I usually just pimp out all the articles from soundonsite.org, but sometimes I just tweet about random things happening in my personal life. Good times. And I'm at the Televerse. And of course, you can find me co-hosting the Televerse podcast with Simon, as well as reviewing the not horror show, like Parenthood, a different kind of horror show, maybe given the baby situation this season, lots of crying. But uh, but yes, you know what? You know, it's a horror show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> oh, snap. Snap. <laughs>
Anyways, you can find all of that plus much more at soundofsight.org. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sound of Sight Walking Dead podcast, and we'll take it out right now with the song that Rick was jamming to at the very beginning of the premiere. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Please, I told you I can't be without him. And, and so I kept him. It was wrong. I can't do things like this. And you have to do things like this. Let me be like him. Don't stop it. Don't end it after. No. Let me be with him. No! memories how they linger how they ever flood my soul in the stillness of the midnight Precious sacred 